the host of the Steven Rivera podcast and the new member of the Swan team, uh, the young Mel Gibson himself, uh, Stefan Rivera. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Hey, everyone. So yeah, uh, well firstly, thanks to Gary for putting on an excellent conference. I'm uh, very excited to be here. I'm talking about the idea of Bitcoining in an unfree world. So as you all know, I come from the prison island of Australia and I was able to escape. And a very common question that people have had for me is, Stefan, how did you get out? And my answer is, I got really good at swimming. <laughs> No, of course. So I had to get an exemption. I had to ask my overlords uh, for permission to leave. And uh, it was actually quite a difficult thing because a lot of people were trying to do this, but they were unable to. I was one of the rare few who was able to do it. And so that is uh, quite concerning in that way. And so essentially, I was lucky in the way that I had sponsors and conferences who wanted me out. And so they would write letters saying, oh, yeah, we want Stefan out but most people don't have that. And so you had to basically have some kind of job, some kind of evidence, and a lot of people I know were applying and trying to get out and unfortunately were not able to. And a common question I get all the time on Twitter today is, oh, how do you do it? I'm trying to get out as well. You know, a lot of Bitcoiners, followers and listeners of the show who also want out, right? They want, they want a chance at the, the freedom of not being stuck in Prison Island, Australia. So. I thought today I would offer a little bit of an insight around what happened in Australia. Like, how did, how did Australia fall? Like, we all thought it couldn't happen here. It's meant to be one of the richest per capita nations in the world. It's meant to be a Western democracy. It's a Commonwealth country. These are all things that we would think, oh, okay, like, they, they actually care about rights there, don't they? Maybe not. I don't know. And it's, I'll tell you what, it's this funny thing where... If you look at the perception of Australia from outside the world, it's all oh, this, you know, tough men who are, you know, crocodile dundee and these kind of, you know, these kind of tough guys, you know, and uh, as the song goes, where women roar and men thunder, right? This, that's, that's kind of, that used to be the perception of Australia. But now it's a, a bunch of bedwetters, basically, just <laughs> a bunch of like, just crazy, just ridiculous level of panic and a ridiculous level of, uh, entitlement at the level of risk that they should be uh, bearing. And so that's essentially what's happened. And in my view, it's that so many people have been put into such a ridiculous state of fear and hysteria, and that's why I prefer to call it Hysteria 19, that they will just accept any destruction of their rights. And this is not just like a one-off thing. Right, I've, I grew up in Australia. I've, I've lived in Australia for over 30 years up until now, obviously, and now I'm a bit more of a nomad. But I'm, I'm basically not planning to go back anytime soon. I'm, I may not, yeah, so that's, that's, where, well, that's where I'm at at the moment, right? Because if I go back, what am I going back into? Into a lockdown. Well, what's, what's good about that? I'm gonna miss out on all the Bitcoin events and all the, uh, all the great things that are going on outside Australia. And so I think many of the people in Australia don't understand the long-term ramifications of what they're doing. They think, oh, do whatever you can to stop it now, right? And they think if the virus is spreading, 
The only conversation you're allowed to have is how much earlier or harder they should have locked down, or how much harder they should have been contact tracing, or how much harder they should have been vaccine mandating or mask mandating or whatever else. That's the conversation that they are having in Australia. So let's, uh, let's talk through a few examples, uh, a few lowlights of Australia. So there were some uh, rescue dogs in a home, and this was in a council in uh, kind of more of a, I think it's more of a rural New South Wales council. And because of the lockdown laws, that council had interpreted, oh, we don't want people to come and uh, pick up the dogs, so we're just going to shoot them all. How crazy is this? How insane is, has the world gone that they think this is like, this is the way to go? And so th these are real you know, stories that I've just pulled and put up just to show you guys. And um, there's another one here where a 12-year-old girl is pepper sprayed to not wearing a mask outside, right? So a common question I'm getting is, oh, look, Stefan, how, how realistic is all that stuff going on there? Like, is that, is that really what's happening there? And look, the short answer is yes. Now, in fairness, what comes up on the news is the worst of what you're seeing. But yes, there are extremely draconian rules in place for people in various states in Australia that you can't plan things because at any point, they could just put you back into a lockdown. So you might be a couple who's trying to get married soon. Guess what? They just stopped your wedding or they made it, uh, you know, 20 people only, or you can, um, you know, no dancing at the wedding or whatever. Just like crazy rules that don't even make sense. So because of this, no one can really plan for the future, right? And in our society, we need to be able to plan for the future. We need to be able to run a business or raise a family or, you know, live our lives, take part in our hobbies and whatever else that gives our lives meaning. And unfortunately, people have forgotten that. They've lost sight of this. And so I guess the way I would put it, I think Australia became complacent. And so I think that's, that's probably the message I would, I would give to you all today is don't think it won't happen here, right? Because it, it, can, it, it can happen here, right? People thought Australia was this you know, safe place, great standard of living and all of these things. But Australia was also known as the quote-unquote lucky country. So, so for 27 or 28 years, there was no recession in Australia. Australians probably had it too good for too long, and they didn't remember what made the society so great to begin with. And so that's why we're seeing these crazy stories. So uh, anti-lockdown protest organizers being sent to jail, police firing rubber bullets at unarmed protesters, and as you all know, Australia gave up the guns in 96. And so this is an unarmed population that they're just shooting on. And so these are the things that are going on in Australia. A couple more examples. So there's a pregnant woman arrested for posting an anti-lockdown protest uh, in, a, in, an, in, in an area of Ballarat. So that's a little bit further away from Melbourne. So she was in, like a lightly, in a slightly less lockdown area than Melbourne at that time. And you saw that, most of you would have seen that video of this poor girl. And the police turn up to her house and like, you know, cuff her and walk her out. It's ridiculous. And can you imagine the military being deployed against its own citizens? Now, unarmed, sure, but nevertheless, because in their mindset, it's, oh, you weren't complying hard enough. Therefore, that's why this thing was spreading. So there's lots of um, examples there. Um, and, you know, ultimately, what has it wrought? What have, what have we gotten? What, have, what did they get out of it? This is what they're... 
the cases look like in Australia. Now that's as of maybe three or four days ago, but close enough, right? So much for following the science. So we're living in an unfree world. And so let's talk a little bit about what, what, what does this population believe? So as I was mentioning before, they've just been put into such a ridiculous state of fear. And I think poor quality journalism, biased journalism, has helped act as like a megaphone for government propaganda and has, instead of challenging government politicians and bureaucrats, medicrats, medical bureaucrats, we're following the science, right? They have just acted as an amp as a amplifier. They've just been a megaphone and they've never really seriously challenged what's going on. And so the people are just living in ridiculous levels of fear. So this is... Uh, what, so this is a relatively recent, um, now this is from about a month ago, and uh, just for anyone who can't read the stats there, so the figure, it's saying, how satisfied are you with your state government policies to provide protection against the spread of COVID-19? And so here are some of the policies and restrictions. So in terms of lockdowns and stay-at-home restrictions, 57% were satisfied with lockdowns, right? So you think, just think like, so I guess the point I'm trying to convey here is that sometimes people say, oh, you know, just stay and fight, right? Like, don't, don't leave. That's, that's, well, what do you do? What do you do when, you're, when the people you live around don't believe in your freedom? Right? So here's a few more examples. So uh, here, restrictions on interstate travel or border closures. 60% of people agreed with that. Or density limits at public events. 62% agreed with that. All right, and even uh, if you are running, and here, 68% agree with mask wearing. As in compulsory mask wearing, that is, not you know, a choice, right? That's ultimately what I think, you know, if you're a Bitcoiner, you, you believe in choice, you believe in liberty. And sadly, in some countries of the world, you are in a very, very small minority. Right? And of course, I think in America, there's a lot more people who, who actually do believe in freedom, but it seems that number is dwindling. So it's uh, quite unfortunate. Now, this, is gonna be, this next slide is gonna be a bit concerning. So this one is uh, from about a week or two ago. So this is what's going on in Australia now, right? Because what the politicians have done is they've said, They've put it in this way. They've said, oh, look, you're not free until 80% of the population gets vaccinated. And as you might have seen, Premier Gladys Berejiklian, the Premier of New South Wales, was saying, has now literally made it that people who are vaccinated have more freedoms. They get one extra hour than people who are not unvaccinated of, of time to go outside. Right? So... It's just insane, like the mindset, because people feel they've, they've been put into this state now where they, they think they've been turned against each other, right? It's divide and conquer. They've managed to say, oh, look, you're not free because that other guy didn't take the vaccine. You're not free because that other guy did the wrong thing, went about his business, you know? So this is, this is the world we're living in, right? And so this is quite a concerning statistic as well. So... Um, so this is Melbourne Institute, they did a survey, uh, and essentially figure one, once everybody has had a chance to get vaccinated, would you support your employer getting all employees vaccinated, i.e. compulsory vaccination? 73%. That is the number. 73% believe in compulsory vaccination. 
That is the number in Australia. And as far as the nonsense about regular testing, even if, even if they've all still been vaccinated, 68% across Australia still believe in regular testing. So we've all got to be taking these you know, nose rapes every whatever to, to continue going about our work or our, our lives. So these are just a few examples, right? So that's the hysteria angle of it. But here's the other thing. In Bitcoin world, we talk about financial sovereignty, right? You are the holder of your own private keys and you run your own Bitcoin node so you don't have to trust a third party when you receive those Bitcoins, right? But also, what about economic freedom? Australia has quite high taxes. So if you look in the background there, that chart, the top tax rate in Australia, so over 180,000 in AUD, Australian dollars. So just for your comparison, in US dollar terms, it's around $130,000. Right, so if you see that there, 45 cents for every dollar over that number, and then down the bottom, Medicare levy of 2%. So basically, 47 cents in every dollar above that threshold is going to the government. So if you're a high earner, why would you stay and live under this lockdown, compulsory vaccination, continual testing regime, continual not being able to plan and do things? So. That's one of the interesting questions right now. I don't want to be too negative, right? Of course, I'm, I'm giving you a few examples of, you know, real world, what's happening in Australia. But challenges in one place can be an opportunity in another. So I'm trying to share somewhat of a balanced perspective, that there are opportunities here about Bitcoining in an unfree world. And so just how much is that high tax costing? So for most people, they're earning a salary. Their employer is automatically deducting that salary out of their, uh, deducting the taxes out of their salary. So they never see it. And so that's a huge thing because you don't see how much you're paying. And so for those of you out there who haven't read The Sovereign Individual, it's a great book. I'm going to show you a couple interesting segments. So do you think if you were hodling, if you were stacking and hodling with that, with that, that, ta that saved tax dollars, how much would you, you do you think you could get 10% or better? I think most people could because you're losing millions in fiat terms, of course, in Bitcoin terms, whatever, do the calculations. But here's a segment from the book. Remember, each $5,000 of annual tax payments paid over 40 years slashes your net worth by $2.2 million. Assuming you could recognize a 10% return or realize. So Bitcoin has been doing over 100% for the last you know, five years, 10 years. Now, of course, it's not going to maintain that forever, right? It, it is going to taper down. But you know, for the next few years, it could quite conceivably be doing 70% per year before it maybe someday it tapers down to call it 5%, right? That's going to be our little growth deflationary benefit. So think, if you were 20 or 30 years old, as an example, and you could sock away 40% you know, more money, imagine the savings that you would have at the end of your, you know, maybe not the end of your life, but let's say for, you start at 20, at 60, how many more millions of dollars or how many more Bitcoins would you have? If you started at 30, when you, you know, at 70, how many more Bitcoins are you gonna have, right? And so that's uh, a couple examples there. And so this is particularly true for high earners. So if you are a high earner, you are paying an incredible price because Basically, the numbers kind of work out to like, in, this, in, that, in that book, they use the number of $125,000 worth of taxes paid by that top 1%. Do 
just the taxes. And so they were saying, even if you moved out to Switzerland in that example, or you went to, say, Bermuda back then, nowadays maybe you know, Dubai or one of these other you know, zero tax places, that is $55 million that you've given up over the course of your life to the state to live in what? In like lockdowns and masks and all of this? So there are, there's a huge incentive to start jurisdiction shopping, right? And so some of this is kind of, you know, the whole plan B passport or kind of this, or this kind of idea, right? And I think there's a lot of merit to that, right? Because here's how, I, here's how I was looking at it, right? Think of it like a matrix. You've got your hysteria and you've got taxes, right? Australia is the worst of both worlds. It's high tax and you, and you have high hysteria. You know, if I'm going to live somewhere and it's going to have high hysteria, I'd at least want it to be a low tax so I can <laughs> save that money and put it into causes that I believe in, right? And it doesn't even have to be what you believe. It could be that you're passing it on to your family or that you're putting into various other causes that you believe in, as I was mentioning. So think of it like that. The high earners are paying a massive tax, a high price for this. And so if you really stop and think about the compounding involved, it's just incredible. So, as I was saying before, what do you do when everyone around you capitulates? What do you do when 70% of the population believe in mandatory vaccination? Well, sometimes you just can't fight a useless political battle. If, if that many people don't agree with your freedoms, you probably have to move. That's the hard reality of it. Right? Now, depending on what state, what country where you're from, that'll be a totally different answer, right? Obviously, most, most, most of us here are American. Fine. Um, so, you know, at some point, after years of saying love it or leave it, you know, people telling you love it or leave it, well, maybe it is time to just leave it. Why wouldn't you do that? You know, you can take your skills and tax revenue elsewhere. Make these states or countries compete for you. If you're, if you're able to earn money and you have skills, you can start businesses, you should be out there doing these things. You should be looking at ways to basically keep more of that for yourself and your family instead of giving it to these bureaucrats who are just pissing it away. So there's a book. This is a well-known book in libertarian circles. So that's basically what, what the, the theme of my talk was Bitcoining in an Unfree World, right? So this is a well-known book by Harry Brown. It's called How Do You Find, or well, it's called Freedom in an Unfree World, right? Now, I don't agree with every single thing he says in this book, but it was an interesting one because one of the lessons was that you're not necessarily going to get a long way with, with overly focusing on politics because if you're relying on all of these other chains of, oh, if we get this person voted in and if we, um, if we you know, achieve this, this, that, and the other, then someday I might be able to lower my tax or I might be able to enjoy more freedom. But there are ways where you can go about taking your freedom back for yourself. And you can go back, you can... For example, find ways to restructure your affairs to lower your taxes. Or you can find ways to go to somewhere else where they do believe in freedom. You can find ways to give yourself more freedom in a personal sense. And so I think that's part of the, the message, right? It means either go jurisdiction shopping or build a community of people who really do believe in what you believe and what we believe. So... Of course, as I was saying, um, you know, life isn't all about money, but we've, we've, we've kind of gone through that. So a few ideas um, in terms of at least how I was thinking about it, or at least how I'm thinking about it. Think about places that are relatively open, right? So within, a, within the USA, Texas, Florida are the obvious examples. Uh, overseas, places like Mexico, maybe Colombia, maybe Albania, maybe D Denmark is recently, they took away all their hysteria restrictions. 
So that might be something interesting. And then you've also got to layer that with, well, what places in the world have low taxes? And so obviously, those of you in the US, maybe for some of you, the Puerto Rico thing, structure it through a business, maybe that's the way that you can dramatically get a big win, right? Instead of paying 40, 50% in taxes, you can get that down to 4%. Well, that's a huge win. So that's another example right there. Um, over, you know, Dubai, zero tax. Caribbean, some of the Caribbean islands, Cayman, uh, or even some of the territorial tax regimes. So these are all things that you can look at and explore and try to find freedom for yourself in that way. Um, there are trade-offs with all these things, uh, but I, I, I guess for me, I've been looking at them and more seriously thinking about them now because my alternative of just living in Australia is horrible. So, you know, I'm ready to look for something else, right? So there are different ways that you can go about this as well. So obviously the citizenship by investment programs, sometimes you can do it by setting up a business in that country and that will get you residency rights. Uh, you can live there and naturalize. There's all kind of different concepts. That I've, I've had to do a lot of reading and research and talking to experts over the last year or so, but these are some of the things I've been thinking about to try and achieve a bit more freedom for myself. And so you might need to learn, okay, there's citizenship, there's residency, and then there's residency for tax purposes. And so I'm an Australian citizen, but I'm no longer an Australian resident. And so learning to sort of what, how that works and how the tax of it works, you might need to consult a, an expat tax expert. Some of this stuff you are going to have to Get, a, get your partner or your family on board with the idea. But I'll tell you what, like my parents are <laughs> pretty much on board with the idea of leaving, so maybe I can sort of pull them out with me. Um, and especially the harder the, the restrictions get then it, or the stuff in your area, then maybe that'll make it a little bit easier for you. Um, getting comfortable with some of the trade-offs as well. So as an example, if you... Uh, like, well, okay, I'm, I'm willing to, uh, you know, move overseas to get lower taxes, uh, but I'm going to live somewhere that's maybe less developed. I'm going to live somewhere that's maybe, I'm not going to get all the same things, or maybe there's certain uh, crime risks maybe in certain areas, but I, I think you might sort of balance that and be okay with the overall trade-offs because, look, people live all over the world. You can find a way. You know, there might be language difficulties and things, but you can find places if you're, if you're looking, basically. So, um, yeah, so basically depending on, you know, which regime you're under, you might need some expert expertise on how to uh, achieve that in terms of fully becoming a non-resident for tax purposes. That's one example. Um, so I think th those are a few ideas in terms of what I was thinking about, uh, just to try and you know, achieve some more freedom. So I think, to sort of summarize some of the ideas, I think, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a section from the book. Free men recognize that they can't change the world, and so they concentrate on the power that they do have, which is enormous. They realize that they can choose not to be involved in situations that don't suit them. Right? And so part of that is also not waiting until it's too late. Right? So we would also like to, we would all like to think we would, we would have, you know, under Nazi Germany, that if you would have left in time, or would you have been one of those people saying, oh, it's not bad enough yet, it's not bad enough yet? Well, I guess you've got to try to make that assessment for yourself and don't rely on enough other people in your jurisdiction waking up because they might not. And that can be hard, but that's the reality. So I think of it like, you've all got to take that action for yourselves and go to the places that are more free. I mean, for me, I'm not an American, but if I was, I'd probably go to Texas. I'd probably be in Austin. Um, <laughs> but, um, 
even I'm not an American, well, it's a different conversation. So, uh, but you know, I think you have to go where people, you have to go where you think other people believe in similar things, uh, or they're at least willing to let you choose for yourself. I think that's the important uh, thing to keep in mind. So yeah, so that's it. So uh, that's uh, Bitcoining in an unfree world.